0: Welcome back to Inclusive Activism uh, with the second podcast of the year with my wonderful friends, Suta and Tyler. And we're going to be talking about, last time we talked about the problem, we talked about colonization. Today, we're going to talk about the answer, the solution, the moving towards more uh, solution-based ideas with indigenization. And this is the the conversation I think we're, we're really excited to have. Um, One thing I want to do, make sure that we mention is we'll probably talk about indigenization through more of a Native American lens here. But remember, indigeneity is not solely something that happens on the North American continent. Like all folks were people of the land of blah at some point. All folks were descended from tribal people at some point um and what we urge people to do is get in touch with their original roots of indigeneity and not attempt to hijack our indigeneity like the guy from Arizona oh that guy drives me like have you seen the picture of the buffalo headed dude the bison bananas um so first off uh welcome back uh and in your words how do you explain like this this concept of indigenization to other people
1: I um, I love this question. Um, So I, because you guys know I'm really sensitive to terminology. I um, try. I I tend to steer, stay, and steer away from using words like decolonization or resistance um, because of the the challenge that of energy that's transmitted within those terms. So I prefer things like indigenization. And um, I've been asked some really hard questions. Um, I'm attempting to work on this piece that says, well, where did you even come up with the word indigenization? And I, and I don't know, but what I do know is that um, I've been uh, categorized as an environmentalist a lot because of my training and my job. Um, but I still am having a hard time accepting that because I don't think a Blackfoot woman who wants to plop down in the middle of the prairie and pick her plants is an environmentalist. She's just trying to live. I'm just trying to live and I want a clean and healthy environment to do that. And so I guess in terms of like indigenizing environmentalism is, um, is accepting that, uh, A native woman who wants to eat and live off the land is not a radical environmentalist. She's just a woman from a different culture who wants to continue living the way her ancestors have always lived. Um, So, yeah, I can go on. Tyler, I mean, I'm curious.
2: Indigenization. This is one that is still unpackaging personally for myself. And I think... When we look at culture humility, the first lesson is that it's a lifelong learning process, you know, and, and even this particular topic of indigenization, indigenousness, um, for me, and, and I'll share my story, and I want to make it very clear that I'm just one story, and, and I use I statements, I can't speak on any other native out there, right? It's just my story, my experience, and Suta has her own experience. And Rowdy, you as well. Uh, but my growth is continuing even in my 30s and, and reflecting back in my 20s. Um, and prior to that, you know, it's, it has been one of discovery, of, of revitalization, of, of, of awareness, of awakening. Uh, social transformation, of transforming the way I think, the way I act, the way I see, the way I go about feeling things. And, and for example, when I was in college, uh, my identity as an Indigenous person was in very strong yet. And it was because I grew up off the reservation. I'm light complected. I, I'm often seen as a, a light-skinned native. I'm not, I'm not brown enough. I'm a white boy. And when i'm in the white crowd i'm a mexican right and so it's it's just this dynamic of of where i fit in with all of this and especially because i grew up off the res and predominantly within my father's culture which which was american culture of of baseball entertainment and and holidays right and and um and so I didn't discover who I was until I went to college, really. And it took me a lot of friendship building. Suta, you know, she's been indigenous and practicing indigeneity since she was born, right? And 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 even though I can say that, also it's just I just didn't know it, I guess, right? It's because of the the through the process of assimilation and colonization, those stories weren't passed down to me and I didn't grow up in, within that culture. And so going back to my uh, academic studies in college, um, I remember a good friend of mine, the Nayman. man, um, he called me out when I was writing a paper. And and it's because in American Indian studies, you write about American Indian topics, right? And, and here I was still trying to figure out, was I Indian enough? and and so I wrote in third person I wrote about Indian people instead of writing it in first person about myself as an Indian person and I remember very vividly today and I carry this story strongly because my friends like you need to stop writing about us you need to write from us you need to start writing in first person and 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 it makes me self-reflect to this day of how many of us are, are going through that same process of reflection of where we fall in. And, and some natives know that they're native through the culture, upbringing that they were immersed in. And, and, and so I love that. And then, but there's also a side of native people being fully assimilated, removed from the reservation and have been stripped from that culture. And there's that rediscovering. And and I don't like the word discovering. So maybe I should stop saying that because discovering is a a tone of of colonization of itself. And so if we go back to our mission as an organization, we, we chose revitalization, to revitalize indigenous communities, culture, people, and land. And when we look at our mission, what are we revitalizing? You know, we're revitalizing our people, culture and land against the impacts of colonization. We're revitalizing the culture, people and land, what it used to be and what it still is. It's still there. You know, when we go back to language, Onondaga language is embedded within the DNA makeup of who I am, even though I didn't learn it, I've been raised on it, I'm starting to pick up words, but that language is there in me, breathes in me, it lives in me, it's just a matter of introducing it back into who I am as an Onondaga person, and so um, I'll stop there and, and, uh, and we'll, we'll yeah. get deeper.
0: So for me, um, I think like when I say what is indigenization, I think I think of uh, it's the price to live on the earth, right? It's the cost of what it's necessary to stay in harmony, to stay, to, to live, right? Um, I think it's um, balance, right? It's balance, it's um, making sure all things benefit, thrive, do the best as best possible. Um, for me, much like Tyler's story and my story, very, very similar. Um, except, uh, you know, I, I will, I will never have paperwork uh, proving who I am uh, within indigenous systems. But what's nice is as a survival technique, I've been. Creating communities, which is a form of indigenization, it's finding connections, it's finding like a tribe of people that like co support and love you. Like, my pain of my life has been the gift of my life, which is showing people how to do these things. And so, for me, it's a process like I tell people my purpose is healing others, because as I heal other people, which is indigene- indigenization is healing other people, uh, as well as healing like the earth and land and all beings and things around us, it heals me in that process and then that allows us to come together form a sense of community and then find a way to benefit all things really and so indigenization is like moving away from colonization towards those practices and processes and what's cool about it again is it's not just a native american thing Uh, like suits shared in the podcast last time like the the druidic people of europe uh, like the african people um, we got to visit Nigeria before the pandemic, uh, and it's hard cause they've got some really deep colonization, self-oppression stuff going on because the people, uh, lowest in the social economic stratum are the, the people that practice their indigenous religions. Like if you want to get ahead, you want to be Christian. Um, and it's being like, Hey, those people have some knowledge you really need to know. Uh, and they speak a language and the, there, there's patterns that they do that are of healing of, of, of goodness. And I'd like to see more people do that. Um, So in unpacking indigenization, um, what are examples of indigenous thinking or what are examples of indigenous systems that we can show people uh, so they better understand what this is and how it looks?
1: I think one easy form of indigenous thinking is, um, is that unpacking uh, how to indigenize environmentalism. And that's just, Creating a new value system and placing value where in the Western system, in the colonization system, people can't fathom that that has value in the way it does have value. And so that does, it does counter even science where we are then calling plants and animals sentient beings. And so it's going to take an abrupt halt to to the limits that Western society has put on our thinking and how it's categorized it and so indigenous thinking would be inclusive thinking and um, it would give inclusion to the point of oh not, not just women not just children um not just women of color, but we're now including trees and we're giving more validity to science that is not pseudoscience, but it's science in the way of how trees communicate at a cellular level and respecting that as sentient beings and and purpose and thought and um, I every now and then I'll make a post on, you know, just from my personal page and and I'll get some of my anthropologist friends who are not Native but are experts on Natives like countering my information and I'm like, you know, I, I respect that you went to school. I respect that you think that you respect the Indigenous people but I would not advise you to say that you're the expert to a community member um, that you claim to be an expert of, of the people. And, and that's just not indigenous thinking. That's, that's colonial thinking. That's better than thinking. That's um, putting a limit on people. My grandpa always used to say, and get mad at me and my, my younger siblings. He, he would, he would haul us all out to the barn and tell us the way to do things. Cause we, he took care of racehorses, very finicky beings, racehorses there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) If anybody knows a racehorse, it's uh, they're elegant, graceful creatures, but they've got attitude because they're beautiful and they know it and they love to run. And so open gates are like playgrounds. and, And so you always have to be on your toes because they've got such character. And so my grandpa was very strong about okay well this is what we got to do you got to do it this way i got to do it this way and if me or my brothers said i know oh we would for an hour we never say you know just you don't know just never i'm 85 i don't know <laughs> like and that's where my thinking is um going back to all those anti teachings is that you know indigenizing the thinking of of purpose and identity as a blackfoot woman that i i don't have to put the pressure on myself that i need to know and be all of everything a blackfoot woman is supposed to be i'm just me and i am i'm furthering and i'm indigenizing and i'm carrying on the culture that was handed down to me and if all my sisters are doing that then we have a complete culture to bring forth to our children and it's not just on my shoulders and i think that dispersion of power that knowledge and power is an indigenous system knowing that i'm not even competing with my sisters for this knowledge or this this um purpose in life that that i'm respecting their purpose and that their separate knowledge is is just as valid and just as important as mine and that it's only more powerful when it's together so i think that that's very indigenous thinking
0: yeah. I want to do add on real quick before I go to Tyler, like with the, the Western thinking scientists, like I always, they're so certain and I think they need to be certain because they're scared. Uh, but I ask them, I'm like, do you know love's real? And they say, yes. And I go, well, how? Like measure it for me. Prove it exists. And then they're like, well, I can't. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, Don't be so sure because like we've healed people from terminal illnesses by singing and blowing smoke on people. So don't think just because you can measure it, it exists. Like there's something that's happening that you don't understand that if you slow down and learn, you could add to what, you know, and it would be really dynamic. But it helps me show because they know that we've blown smoke and sang on people and cured them from death. Um, And so when they see that, it helps them to slow down and maybe like loosen that certainty. Tyler, you were going to yeah.
2: yeah. Just taking a deep breath in and reflecting um, on this. It's, it's really good to talk about this and I hope your listeners are enjoying. There's a book that I like to reference and, and uh, uh, it's the author by Greg Cajete uh, with the university of New Mexico. And he wrote Native Science, a book, and I would encourage everyone to read it because it provides a highlight of indigenous thinking. Because we had our own sciences, that's a system in place that we have had over the thousands of years of observing our natural world around us right and so we had these sciences and we look at systems um the equinox just took place the winter equinox we designed our plazas in Chaco Canyon based on these equinox to the very degree right of 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 complexity they 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 knew it and it's because they were brilliant scientists and you, you go examples throughout americas and across, around the world and you look at um stonehenge in england that is very indigenous in in understanding the cycles of lunar and solar and and, and uh, planting season and and all of this that goes on with that um but Returning to that book and returning to the systems and native sciences and the way that we go about seeing and practicing our values. Equity is at the heart of everything that we do. Reciprocity, knowing that it will be returned. Um, often our leaders were, were um, they gave more than they um, gave themselves. And that's what made them a leader. They often starved last, they la- ate last. They made sure everyone was fed first, everyone was clothed first, you know what I mean? And so that system of, of care, of true understanding of, of reciprocal inclusivity, equity, true equity, Uh, As Sutta defines in her paper uh, that she published last year, involves, as you said, nature, but also the spiritual components that are well beyond uh, the physical existence of what we see. Because as you said, Rowdy, we had medicine people and still have medicine people today that can cure sickness and are struggling with curing the sickness that faces us today with COVID-19. Um, but we have to be able to be mindful of, of different systems in place in which which uh, um, can benefit us. Um, when I think of systems, I also think of governance systems. Um, you know, as a, as a Onondaga, Haudenosaunee person, it's, it's built into us, it's ingrained into us to to govern ourselves in a way that is equitable and beneficial for every member of the community, every member. And when we look at governance structure of the Haudenosaunee and the democratic process of how we go about making decisions, it's based on complete 100% consensus, Mm -hmm. not 50%, not 51% vote, 100% 100% of the people have to be on board with the decision made, and that that is not an easy task, and it takes uh, all night, you know, smokes and, 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 and longhouse conversations to take place. Um, but those governing systems are still in place in Onondaga. And if we look at the democracy in which we are governed under the United States, it it is borrowed and modeled after our uh, governance structure in Haudenosaunee. The one thing that is missing is the voice and power of women. Women are not nearly seen in the United States structure as, as the powerful ones. In fact, women are just becoming elected in this system, right? It's a novelty
1: right now. <laughs> Women couldn't even
2: vote. They didn't even have any whatsoever say in the guidance of this country until recently, right? And, 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 but if you look at Haudenosaunee democracy, everything is based off of the decision of our clan mothers. Our clan mothers are the ones who govern us. They're the ones who appoint the male chiefs to lead us. And if those male chiefs get a tangled mind, meaning that they aren't doing what they're supposed to do, they're, they're, they're becoming greedy, they're becoming self uh, um, benefit, you know, everything has to benefit them instead of the community. That clan mother have has, has every right to remove that person in their position. And uh, from what I understand, it still takes place today back in Onondaga Um, I only visit recently within the past couple uh, handful of years in my life, Um, but I'm starting to regain those connections. And um, it's tough being separated across the country from that culture. But it's a commitment that each and every one of us, myself, I need to take upon myself to learn and educate and uh, be. And so, um, thanks, thanks for hearing me on that.
0: Yes, and I wanna make note of, cause I missed this in the last podcast, and so I wanna deeply apologize because I didn't give Suta an opportunity to talk about um, how she's been hurt by colonial thinking. But I think, um, cause the next question talks about like healing or implementing indigeneity into something. And since we talked uh, between the podcasts about this, um, would you mind telling Uh, about that struggle of colonial thinking but then how you're also indigenizing your 501c3 and attempting to move it in that way
1: yeah yeah so Tyler um, brought up a great memory a very impactful memory Um, when I was 15 I went to spend a month in Alaska doing a service learning project and um, we stayed in the the uh, village of Chitina in Gukona Alaska and um, I was so excited. So this was with a group of kids who came to my community, Heart Butte, a town of 300 people on the Blackfeet Reservation. And then I signed up for a scholarship to go travel with them someplace else. And, and um, I ended up in a Native village in Alaska. And I was so excited to meet other Natives. It was my first time meeting other people that were not Plains Indians. And and I said so where are your community halls? Like, we're, like we were staying in the community hall and I was like, is there going to be a dance or anything while we're here? Like, like I want to meet kids my age. I want to make some buddies and learn something. And, and, he, and, um, and then I mentioned uh, and share my culture. I'm Blackfoot. And uh, he said, uh, the elder from that village said, oh, we, we are all Russian Orthodox here. So I think let's get back the best way to talk about how to indigenize something is let's let's inspect how it was uh colonized right and so he told me we all practice russian orthodox and anyone who is still practicing the culture is considered um to be practicing witchcraft and they're usually ousted from the community or really looked down on because because it's witchcraft and so that goes into that book, Native Science, and and there's a, even a book called Blackfoot Physics, and and how most Indigenous people had brilliant science backing up all of their practices, whether that was canal building or farming or animal husbandry or um, genetically uh, evolving corn to the to the corn that we see now, um, our astrological knowledge. Uh, Um, our animal and plant knowledge all of that it was just brilliant scientific um, to the point where we understood the physics behind all of these things and right now western science can't even get cross-analyze these different categories to understand the physics and the interconnectedness between how we dissect our our scientific categories apart and so that had such an impact on me in the way he called uh Essentially, what was a brilliant understanding of physics, witchcraft, and that's such a a, a, a colonized like it reminds me of like the serfs over and in, in the the lord's land of of oh that's super smart and that's kind of we don't understand it so therefore it's witchcraft and and so it's ostracized as that and so I think that has some keys to how how we become unindigenized or how indigenous people have become colonized and how we inherit that um, internal oppression of ourselves and maybe our practices and knowledge of our ancestors. And so how we are taking that in indigenous vision is we are um, asserting our position in the, in the sciences and in the environmental management field. I'm uh, through the cultural land trust that we've started, we're going to be taking donations of land um to specifically manage them under an indigenous lens. And that includes getting our dog friends, Emita, to to actually um, sniff around and, and search for pollutions. And so we have uh, non-human employees essentially in our in our environmental management. And then the picture of the beaver behind our behind Tyler, our logo. Um, pays homage to how how brilliant of an engineer that the beaver was and how it constructed every single beautiful park-like habitat that we uh that settlers saw when they first came and thought it was so abundant and in god's land right um but that was all done by uh intricate responsibilities and tasks and knowledgement acknowledgement of purpose of the beaver, acknowledgement of the purpose of um, indigenous people burning the prairies, uh, uh, s- systemically cutting trees from east to west sunrise to sunset, and then and having guidelines on how to how to live and manage, with a being while respecting it, which is the tree being, right? Beyond, um, assessing its value beyond the board footage that that forest can give us. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. You know, when you say that, it makes me think about how we don't have delineations between religion, art, and science. It just all is, you know? And I think um, that's one of the beauties of like, uh, because like i think you know when you think about like physics and metaphysics and like quantum physics like you need almost a religious lens to get that stuff you know um and that's been part of like what colonialism's done badly in that it separated everything whereas if it was all together they would have seen the connections faster
2: Mm -hmm. tyler you were gonna answer there's an autobiography of a hopi indian that um i use this quote that he was said in in this autobiography i think it was an old hopi indian that um, gave his accounts to a white ethnobotanist to record it and he said it was in regards to religion and identity and, and and he answered by saying my culture my religion my land are one. There's no separation. Everything embodies it all. And uh, that quote I read when I was 18 years old in college, and and it still sticks with me today because it's so true and it's still very real to this conversation. Um, if I may, for just a few moments, talk about my whiteness. Because you identify Rowdy, that even white people have indigenous roots, which is so true. I reference Stonehenge um, in England, you know, ten thousand years old. What is it? Even older than that? It's, that's remarkable. So I've been on a quest this last week of of researching my surname Walls, and man, it has been a remarkable journey of, of trying to figure out. What Walls means, where our grandparents come from, and when the heck we step foot on this land we call America. And it's just been a fascinating journey. And I still have a gap between a grandfather in 1825 of Wall's grandfather and when they they came because... Um, there's a gap in history, but it's what I'm researching. But I was able to go back and find walls and some of the the beginning um, findings of walls in the English literature back in England, right? And so you look at walls and and a lot of English surnames come from indigenous. Um, roots and language and so it wasn't just walls you know it wasn't forever walls you know at some point we were a family that lived by stone walls or we were a family that lived and made houses out of stone walls and so we became a family known characterized as walls and so we we've carried this on and I go into my other lineage of, of grandmothers marrying into my Wall's family, and uh, one of them is MacDougall, and it's, it's Scottish descent. And I don't know anything about the MacDougall relation as far as when mcdougal has got here in America, but I researched the MacDougall um, history, and it dates back to the 12th century of Scottish history. And McDougal stands for son of Dougal. So Mick is son from what I understand. And so anyone with a Mick on there, you're actually the son of of that. And so I must, McDougal being the son of Dougal. And Dougal, this original Dougal in history was a son of another uh, individual prominent in that era, Summerled. And he was Lord of that era. And, and so these names come attached to these particular people and even surnames are, are generated from, from those times of early um, history. And, and, and you can even date that further back because I was looking at some of those areas that those names come from in Scottish or Northern Ireland or Northern, Ireland or Northern England. And there's archaeological evidence of of. Of our, our of the people's existence, you know, Bronze Age, which is 4,000 years ago, and even further back than that, you know, ten thousand years ago, and so that that presence, that indigenous roots in England is there. It, it, it's just that that progress of of, of uh, I don't know what do you call it they call it evolution you know darwinism they're evolving as humans but um, if you look at an indigenous lens going back to indigenous perspective uh uh, is it evolving because it's it's often devolving in, in our perspectives because we're losing connection to the land we're losing connection to what really is sustaining us as people which is clean water which is clean air, which is a healthy forest. Um, in 1830s, when Oneida people were were starting to become encroached upon by Western settlements, and this is upstate New York. In 1830s, Oneida land claims document that, okay, we will open up a section of our land, but under one under one um, agreement that settlement has to protect the watershed. You are not to cut down any trees within a mile of any water body. And Oneida people pressured the settlement to make sure that they did this because they knew the implications of, of contaminating that forest along the water body because that was a natural filtration system for the water itself. And man, that's deep stuff, right? That the ancestors knew all this stuff. And it's just that returning to those lessons, um, returning is the word I'm going to be using as opposed to the word I used earlier. So um, yeah, it's it's deep. We can go in enriching into the past to know where we are today. And I think a lot of people don't know where we come from right yeah so uh i right. love talking about it
1: though i um that's usually one of my like questions of uh, curious practicing curious inquiry uh when i meet new friends i want to know um you know like their family history and and where they settled it it shapes people right we know stereotypes of people of the Midwest and people of the South. And yeah, and so I'm fascinated by it. And coming from the other direction of a society, Blackfoot society, when they put our names on the rules, they shortened them. So calling last, Sakobachomi is supposed to be last one standing on the battlefield making the war cry. And so I come from a mindset of yeah you are who your name is who you're descended from and then you earn your your own name as well and then you have your your English name and uh your settler colonizer name um I'm lucky to not have any colonizer name like calling last is about as colonized as it gets um but that's it's the translation is I still have that and And so I like to meet people and, and kind of daydream about their names. And the one that scares me is like lyncher or
0: (laughs) (laughs) things like that,
1: like (laughs) coming from my society, like, yeah, you are descended from what your name is. And I kind of like, you know, hold myself by, by the lynchers because I know the toughness that ran in their family, that they were, they were the, prosecutors essentially and and so that's similar to be like that's similar to like uh you know maybe s- kills in one strike or th- that kind of native name right or we have other native names of pretty singing woman and and of course like you you can see where that name came from because all of the descendants of this pretty singing woman have just beautiful girls in the family and um so it's i love how names describe people and, and it's exciting to know, like, my name is last one standing on the battlefield, making a war cry. And I always say, you know, we can't pick up our tomahawks or our bows anymore, guys, but we do have a pen, and we do have our voice. And so this is my, my rally cry <laughs> to get to, to use your voice.
0: Yeah, I wanted to share with you because I don't think I've shared with either of you. I don't remember. Um, like my native name, only the only connection that I have to it is so. My first name's Rowdy, my middle name's Sunray. I took the surname of my um, stepfather, and the only connection I have to indigeneity was a um, like a grandfather figure that came from Taos, uh, and he watched over me as a baby. His name was Tellus. Good morning. And so my native name is Rowdy Sunray of the Good Morning. And so it's like the little like dancing light that like wakes you up. And I still try to live up to it because it's a hard one, you know, like the light that wakes you up. Like, (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready for all that. Um, But one of the things I wanted to share with you all about indigenization and how it's healed me is it's reconciling religion for me. Because, um, like, I like Christianity Uh, And I think I think Jesus Christ is a pretty indigenous dude when you read about like Jesus Christ specifically. Um, But when you look at the Bible, like where did Adam come from? The earth, the creator formed him from the earth. Uh, And where did like, you know, um, where did uh, Eve come from? Eve was was not part of was Adam was sent the same as which gave us the first connection of understanding not men and women aren't different that humans are all the same like we are all relations we're not different and so there's indigeneity in christian and christian texts but i've also come to understand that like creator would not have one way to get to creator right and so i've learned more about indigeneity through buddhism and like buddhist texts and buddhist buddhist scholarship and taoism like the way like you know when you think about the way it's like the way of balance the way of connection the way of like being like the way of least least resistance which the way of least resistance is balance and mutual benefit everything else you have to try to push uphill you have to push oppression uphill you have to push colonization uphill like at balance everything is just taken care of um Mm -hmm. and then reconciling that with um like indigenous religions and like you know owning my connection to the earth and loving the earth and spending more time with it like it's been very healing and good for me too Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, like, I wanted to ask if you have any like final thoughts you want to share about indigeneity, because we're getting up closer to that wrap-up point. Something that you would want to share or have people know.
2: First, thanks Rowdy for having us on. Thanks for sharing your story right there. I, it's always fun to get to know you more and more as we move along in our friendship and our partnership. And that just proves to the listeners that you know, we're lifelong learners and culture humility and building partnerships and relationships takes a lifetime, right? And it can't be overnight. It has to be in a humility way of, of knowing that we have a lot to learn. Um, I don't want to leave anybody questioning or being upset that they don't know. It's okay, not to know your roots, your indigeneity, um, you know, but once you start piecing it together, it is empowering. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that I come from family members that have empowered me with story. And I live this story through the breath that I live. It's not detached from who I am. It's what I am. And for many years, I detached myself because I didn't know that that story is who I was. And so it's just a matter of that returning back to the lessons or to the practices that carried us for thousands and thousands of years. Um, but again, it's not anybody's fault. If anyone's at fault, Rowdy, it's colonization. Let's blame it on them. <laughs> and and. It's hard to tangibly grab onto that because who is that? What is that? You know, it goes against a lot of the grain of what we're taught in this country to be patriotic, patriotic, excuse me, to to uh, uh, um, really um, be blessed with our freedom in this country. Yeah, that's understanding, but we have to be accountable for our actions and we have to move forward in a way that that truly benefits all of us and you know i'm i started beginning researching our founding fathers and they had this thinking in place when they structured this democracy Um, yeah they had not the best tendencies and ideologies of the time and 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 we are starting to break through some of those uh, racist uh, policies that continue to oppress us, um, but yeah, education is power, you know, pick up a book, read it, and talk to another person about it is, mm-hmm. is a really good way just to get it off your mind, but also hear what other people think about it, so.
1: Okay, so I I think that indigenizing, last words on indigenizing is that I I want people to know that you don't have to, you know, go work on your tan and wear the trendiest bead work and ribbon skirts that you can find like that's not indigenized that's that's capitalism essentially (laughs) um but uh indigenizing is focusing on doing less harm in everything we're doing to the clothes you buy yesterday i posted um kind baking cups so these were unbleached baking cups that's decolonized that's indigenized it's it's making sure that um no fish are hurt at the discharge pipe of my manufacturing facility for my cupcakes like that's indigenizing the thinking it's really simple it's just doing no harm treating other people the way you want to be treated um and and respecting their purpose without your judgment and um in terms of like indigenizing governance and our organizations beyond just our self-governance um it definitely hire us there's lots of native people out there that are like we don't need experts on Indian people anymore we have native experts in every single field and that's what I'm so excited with this cultural land trust to embark on hiring all of these 1099 contractors have been like brilliant native people to to put some justice back into our environmental management and some inclusion beyond people um, but I would I would just focus on on practices that cause less harm. I think it's a really good place to start um, for yourself, and then seeing where harm is happening in our workplaces. You know, don't be don't be the silent one. Like you you see how people react to other people talking to them, and you can read their body language. Don't be the person who sees somebody upset and and just turns a blind eye. Like offer some care, offer some support, because sometimes you don't even have to say anything. You just have to to be there for your neighbor as they get it out, right? And then just getting it out helps us. And, and knowing like when you feel disempowered in your workplace and you don't have anybody to listen to you, it's a very lonely place. And that's where people quit and they quit jobs that they love. And so... We can all be better neighbors. We can all be better humans and we can lift up and um, try to speak for, for things that don't have a voice or speak the English language the way you do.
2: Peace. Peace is an indigenous system completely. And, Suta, yes, uh, positivity comes with peace and thinking um, positively you know grandma always said to think positive right but if you look at the physics of things science is starting to catch up that being positive proves good health and benefit from it as opposed to not thinking positive so
0: yeah and to kind of add my last couple of thoughts on things um... I think uh, when I see the worst of things out there, I see fear. Mm. I see uh, anger. And usually the anger is because of fear. I see um, scarcity, like people are so worried there's not enough. (laughs) And this planet's got so much. I mean, this planet makes clean water fall out of the sky like if if that is not evidence that there's some amazing thing out there that just loves you to death um like there's i mean it's a miracle like people are wanting to go to like mars and jupiter and they're trying to kill you every second you're there and here it's trying to keep you alive and have you thrive over and over again um and what we're doing is i think attempting to call you into community with us cuz in community there's no lack There's no reason to fear. And if you're afraid, you can just say so. If you're angered, uh, people want to know why you were hurt uh, and help you with some of those things. And indigeneity is supposed to bring all that to you. And um, I wanted to share with you, um, I get in spaces where I feel as though... Um, there's a conduit open between creator and myself where I start speaking in ways and spaces that aren't just me anymore. Like I'm in some healing space. That's not rowdy any longer. And I very much felt that here with you all. And I want to deeply thank you for that because those are very special, wonderful, beautiful moments. And I have no idea where this goes or who listens to it. Um, but I'm hoping they feel some of those things too. And I love that, um, we were able to make indigeneity so accessible. Um, one last thing is, I want to also give them an opportunity to reconnect to you all again. So if you could tell them about Indigenous Vision, uh, things that you're working on, and how uh, they can get a hold of you and help uh, hire you, because you know you may we, we, we may be the only three Indigenous people many people know. Uh, but how can they get a hold of you to hire you or to help uh, bring the things that we were talking about to their spaces and places? you're muted
1: uh find us at www.indigenousvision.org you can follow us on facebook at indigenous vision on instagram at hello iv music uh we have a youtube channel kind of underdeveloped um <laughs> and then we're on apple itunes we're 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 just about everywhere you can be we've tried to extend that platform and or take up that space <laughs>
2: And join our Community Culture Humility training, January 26th, Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m. Mountain Time. You get to spend two hours with us and the community. And we get to go over the uh, third and fourth principle of culture humility, which really in essence carries on from this conversation. Uh, It it really does. And um, Rowdy, I felt that same wholeheartedly feeling that you just expressed you know talking about this with you and, and Suta uh, it feels natural and and i'm I'm thankful that we were able to capture it and I hope the listeners gained value from it and I appreciate you hosting us and uh, being part of this thanks for inviting us
0: Yeah, and if there's a final thought I can leave you with, don't try to be Indian. Just go find your indigeneity and bring it back to us Indians because we need to understand how you did it and what you did and how you spoke and how that worked because it's going to take all of our indigeneities coming back together into wholeness because some of who we were got colonized away. And without you decoding those stories, those scripts, the programming that we can use for a better world, we're not going to be able to do it because like, we've been so damaged as Native people, Um, but the more you can find and learn about your indigeneity and come back and bring it to that hole, the better off we'll be. So don't think you have to be Native American uh, or like if you're a Black person and you never got to experience who you were. Something's happening in Blackness that is very similar to indigeneity because it was also a system that benefited all people in that space. And it was a method of survival without a connection to land, which we don't have a language for. It was a soul language, a soul connection that had to happen without land connection as much as a survival technique. And these are like amazing, beautiful things that I think we can bring to the world. So learn more about those things, bring those things back to us and teach us because we have a lot to learn too. Uh, but I want to say thank you for your time and attention. Um, this is Ravi Duncan for the Inclusive Activist, uh, Activism Podcast. Thank you so much, Suta. Thank you so much, Tyler. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me, I'm at net. And I really hope you felt some of the things that we got to feel here and appreciated the time we got to spend together. Thank you.
2: Yahweh.